speak today. Yeah, so at my church at Light and Life, we've got a new pastor, Pastor Chris. And Pastor Chris is incredible. And his role is very specific at our church. He's our spiritual formation pastor. That's his gig. That's his job, spiritual formation. And time and time again, all he keeps saying to me is, what is Jesus saying? That's it. That's his catchphrase. Johnny, what is Jesus saying? And after my time of communion, I said, Jesus, what are you saying to Light Church this morning? And I felt that he had two words. One was fingerprints and one was DNA. And I thought, okay, Jesus, this sounds good. Fingerprints and DNA, I can work with this. But what does this really mean? I just want to encourage all of you this morning that God gave us fingerprints. We are all individual, completely unique, one of a kind, no one like us. But we all have the Father's DNA. We can trace our ancestry back to him. That we are all loved, that we've never been abandoned, that we are never alone. And I want to encourage you this morning, maybe you're struggling with fingerprints. Maybe you think, why am I the weirdo? Why am I the one that's always different? Why am I the one that doesn't fit in? And say, God made you that way. When he looks at you, he smiles. You're his son and his daughter. And for any of you that are struggling thinking that, why am I always alone? You're not. You carry the DNA of God. He really does love you that much that he will let you be an image bearer, an image carrier. He really does love you. So I don't know if that will mean anything to any of you this morning, but I wanted to pass that on. Fingerprints and DNA. You are loved by God. Let me just pray and then I'll say thanks to the band and we'll get on to today's message, which is nothing about that. Father God, I thank you so much that we are uniquely made. You do not make mistakes. You made us on purpose and you made us for a purpose. And I pray for each and every one of us as we journey through this series of Advent, as we look at the coming of Jesus to this world, that we will remember that you gave us each individual fingerprints because we have individual missions, individual people that we need to impact, individual ways of bringing beauty to this world, but also that we are never alone, that we have never been abandoned because we cannot be. We carry your very DNA. We are made in your image. I pray for anyone that might be struggling with that this morning that by the, Holy, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will come now and break free into people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, that's nothing what I'm talking about today, but I just felt I had to share that. When you ask, when Jesus speaks, we listen, right? So thank you so much, team, for carrying on playing there. Um, so it's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name's Johnny. I lead a church across in North Blackpool in Thornton called Light and Life. And uh, we've been friends for a while. Some of you may know that, some of you may not. But I just want to say it really does feel like home when I come here, whether it's uh, meeting Damien and Mike in the car park and Paul was on duty and coming up and Sue grabs me and seeing you guys and, and Ash, you know, Ash is that friend that you can never get away from. Um, but <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, 
Anyway, it really does feel good to be here. And we were blessed because we had Holly preaching at our church last week. We've been having to meet in the afternoons last couple of weeks because um, we don't have a permanent venue for mornings. And Holly was preaching with us last week. And I also just wanted to say a massive thank you. I don't know how many of you know whether it was announced here, but we announced it at our church last week um, that you guys at Light Church have partnered with us at Light and Life financially. You've given us a very significant gift, which is going to allow us to take on more staff members at our little church, which I just want to say thank you. I really do mean that. Um, It's hopefully going to enable us to walk out into the vision that God has given us. I know you guys are going through a series called A Beautiful Alternative. And when Dan asked me to preach this morning, he said, could you preach something in and around A Beautiful Alternative? But he didn't give me um, any more direction than that. He must be very trusting. Um, Some of you might already know, but my kind of hobby horse that I like to ride around everywhere is biblical finance. My first degree was in accounting and finance, and I worked down in London for a big accounting firm for a while. And my second degree was in church leadership, and now I'm doing my third degree, I'm doing my doctorate in biblical finance. How do I bring my accounting background and my theological background together? So I thought, great, a beautiful alternative. How can we be alternative in our finance? The Bible teaches us that we aren't to be in this world. Sorry, we are to be in this world, but not of this world. But it's tough, right, when we see our friends and our family members and the people who live on our street being uh, of the world, and it sometimes feels like we need to keep up. But we're called to have a a beautiful alternative, the way that we are called to handle our money. But I want to start by first saying I get it. It's awkward talking about money. It could just be because we're English, right? Stiff upper lip. We don't want to let people in. But I actually think it's way more serious than that. As a pastor, I think it's a major red flag when people in my congregation are willing to talk about their sin in their life, but they're not willing to have the conversation around finance. What does that tell us about the way our heart is postured towards our wallet, (laughs) I'm willing to say what I'm struggling with online. I'm willing to say what I'm struggling with with my friends. I'm willing to say what I'm struggling with everywhere else apart from my money. We don't need to talk about that, Pastor Johnny. Don't worry about that. But could you help me in my marriage? You know, it seems a bit weird, right? So I just want to say I get it. First and foremost, it's weird. And all of us have different hang-ups because all of us have or don't have money. I know the people that have a lot of money can sometimes feel really awkward talking about money. Maybe there's a bit of guilt or embarrassment about how they have their money or they see others that don't have it. And those that don't have money kind of feel embarrassed for not having it. Is it because it's my fault or is it because the world is set up for me to lose? But I want to encourage all of us, there's something today that God can teach us about our money. Now, I want to start off with a story kind of to break the ice a little bit, but it does help paint the picture of what I'm going to talk about today. And this is a story about a chap called Mike. Mike is a worship leader at our church at Light and Life. Incredible musician, plays everything by ear. A bit annoying sometimes because we want him to do it normally and he doesn't do it normal. But the most of the time, it's good because he does it fancy. Um, but we went on um, a summer camp that we do at Light and Life uh, up in the Lake District called Revive. And Micah came on this summer camp with us. And one afternoon, we decided to swim across Lake Coniston and back. There was probably a group of about 10 to 15 of us. And Mike was in the group. And we managed to swim to one side of Lake Coniston. Things are going good. We paused for a selfie on someone's GoPro. Yeah, it's great. 
But Mike is very, very skinny guy. He doesn't carry as much insulation as me. So Mike was getting very cold at this point. So whilst everyone's chilling on one side, Mike's like, I need to go back because I'm getting cold. I need to get out of the lake. So Mike sets off ahead of us and starts swimming. And he's quite a quick swimmer as well. So he's swimming way ahead of the rest of the group. Anyway, we get about halfway back across the lake and we realize that Mike is like shot off in a different direction. And it's because he thought it was like a, a quicker way to get out the lake, like he could walk from there. And by the time we get back to the shore, Mike's been back for about a good 10 minutes and he's really struggling. I don't know what the, the medical term is like for hypothermia or whatever, but he's, he can't get warm. He's really struggling. There's people on the beach that we didn't even know put blankets on him. Someone's trying to feed him a banana and he's just kind of like, he's really, really struggling. And I get out and I'm just, I'm chilling. Like, I'm not even a little bit cold. Now, why do I tell you a story? Fortunately, Mike was okay. We warmed him up, gave him a hot chocolate. But I want to tell you that it's easier to stay warm than it is to get warm. If you never get cold in the first place, it's easier to stay warm. I never got cold. I was fine. Now, don't be as big as me. That's not the point. But the point of the story is, is once you start chasing something, it becomes a lot easier. And this is kind of true with our money, too. It's easier to stay on top than it is to try and keep up with our money. It's the same when pulling weeds in the garden. You know, we've got quite a nice garden where me and my wife live. Um, well, it would be if, if I was into gardening. But this, this summer, I had some thistles that were literally like waist height. And I had to go around and I was pulling thistles for hours and hours. It would have been so much easier if I'd got on top of them when they were small rather than waiting for them to get big. You see, it's easier to keep up with small weeds than to catch up with big weeds. And I always tell my staff at work when we're cleaning, it's easier to keep things clean than it is to get things clean. Guys, it's easier to keep up with our money than to try and play catch up with our money. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had to play catch up with your money. I, I have in my life. I've had seasons where I've got behind. And playing catch up with your money is very tough. It physically hurts sometimes and you don't know how you're going to get on top of it. If only I could have kept up with it to begin with. So why do I want to speak on this today? Well, did you know it's in the top five things Jesus taught? If you're going off number of Bible verses that Jesus taught about, number one, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He wouldn't shut up about the kingdom of God, would he? The kingdom of God isn't like this, but it is like this. And we can be part of the kingdom of God. Number two, he always talked about Father God. That's what his mission was, to bring us back to Father God. And every time he talked about the kingdom, he talked about the Father that lived there. But the number three top thing that Jesus taught about in his parables and his direct teachings was money and finance. More than number four, which was faith, which I think we all agree is pretty important. And number five, Satan. They're the top five things that Jesus taught about. Number three is money. So if Jesus thought it was important to talk about, then it probably should be. And also, it's not just Jesus. There's 2,300 Bible verses on finance in the Bible. 2,300. Now, I don't think this tells us something about God's heart. I think it tells us something about our heart, that he knew what we would be struggling with. So he wanted to um, keep us skilled and ready to go. I wanted to make sure that we're on top of our money so our money doesn't get on top of us. So today I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Um, lots of you will know that. In my Bible, it's called uh, Treasures 
in heaven, treasures in heaven. But I just to put this into context about how important this is, if we just read um, slightly before that, the t- just the titles in chapter 5 and 6 about in this time what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching the Beatitudes. You know, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs, and blessed are those who mourn, etc., etc. He then goes to talk, teach about murder. He then goes to teach about adultery. He then goes to teach about an eye for an eye. The bit right before this, he's taught them the Lord's Prayer, and now he's into treasures in heaven. So that's just to put it in context, just how important this teachings that Jesus is doing. So Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermins destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is a lamp to the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Key verse for anyone who's making notes. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and Satan. No, wait, it doesn't say that in my Bible. What does it actually say? You cannot serve both God and correct money. So when Jesus is talking about the things that we're going to face in our life, the two masters, he doesn't even include Satan. Now, unfortunately, we do know in this broken world, some people choose to follow Satan. That's weird, right? But that's such a tiny minority. But the vast majority do choose to serve money. I just think this is actually bonkers. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus doesn't even mention our enemy. He talks about money being the thing that's going to steal your heart. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your living word. That's Jesus Christ who really did teach so that we could come into right relationship to you. So we would know how to live well, to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you so much for your written word, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, because they remind us of what Jesus taught, of how we can live well. And I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come amongst us to rest and remain with us, that we would learn just a little bit more of what it means to be Christians. Amen. So a beautiful alternative. I want each of us to tell our money where to go, rather than our money getting on top of us. That's the beautiful alternative. It seems in this world, money tells us what to do. But in the kingdom of God, money is just simply a tool that God has entrusted into our hands. I personally believe that money is the second biggest problem in the UK. I see it everywhere I go as a pastor, and whilst I'm learning about finance, debt, and financial troubles. But the beautiful alternative is not so with us. Not so with us. So today I'm going to get really practical I don't just want to be giving you some, uh, some big principles, but actually some physical things that we can be doing to help us get on top of our money so our money doesn't get on top of us. 
So I want everyone here, whether you're young or old, male or female, married or single, this is something that's going to matter to all of us. Maybe we're not struggling with it right now, but we might do in the future. So let's get on top of our money. And what is it practically that I want to talk about today? A budget. A budget. What are you talking about, Johnny? You come to here to preach and you're talking about a budget. We've had enough budgets in the UK the last couple of weeks. But a budget is so important. So what is a budget? We have money coming in. We have money going out. Positive is better. It's that simple. We have money coming in. We have money going out. There's a difference. Positive is better. Sometimes in your life when you have a negative budget, that is not good. We need to deal with that as quick as we can. And the times in life when we have a positive budget, we need to see what God's saying to us. What can we do with that budget? So we have money coming in. I know that all of us do, some more than others. But whether it's wages, whether it's inheritance, whether it's gifts, whether it's benefits, whether it's savings, whatever it is, all of us have money coming in. And then all of us have money going out on what we have to spend to live. We live in a material world. We have to spend material um, valued things to stay living in it. But I also want to encourage us right at the beginning, because we're going to talk about budgeting, is that if you have a minus in your budget right now, I pray that you focus on the money coming in more than the money going out. Often we talk about you know, having to pinch the pounds and we'll cut subscriptions or we'll change where we're spending our money. And that's really important, right? Because we want to be good stewards. But often if we can increase the money coming in, that deals with the money going out problems. But it's harder to tell people that, to say go and earn more money. Um, but seriously, some people need to think about changing jobs, changing careers. Some people need to get extra skills. Because money coming in means that we're using the time and gifting that God has given us. Because I believe, it's a separate sermon, the only way you make money is by making other people happy. Um, interesting Jewish concept that the only way people give me money is because I've done something for them. So actually it pleases God that I'm making people happy, which is why I'm earning money. So we have money coming in. We have money going out. Positive is better. And when it comes to our finances, we have got no excuse if we don't know what's going on. Now, there's some genuine mysteries in this world. You know, why do some people fall in love? We don't know. It's a mystery. You know, what goes on in your teenagers' minds? We don't know. It's a mystery. You know, why does your husband never have time to do the pots, but he's always got time to watch the football? I don't know why. It's a mystery. We'll never know. You know, the biggest mystery ever is why does your wife act like she's, she says she's fine because you asked if she was fine. She said she was fine. You act now she's fine, but she's anything but fine. And now we don't know what fine even means anymore. It's a mystery. We'll never know. We'll never know. But with our money, we should definitely know. It's not a mystery. It's a physical thing. We can tell it where to go. We can see what's going on with our money. So the two sides of the equation that we can get to grips with is the money coming in or the money going out. But I want to encourage us as well that it doesn't really matter how much money we've got coming in if we suck and where we spend it. You know, some of us might be thinking, I earn £20,000. If only I could earn £30,000, my life would be so much better. And that could be true. But if you suck at where you spend your money, you're just going to suck more because you've got more money and more problems. We need to get a grip with what God is giving to us in the principle of it, that we are in charge of our money, not our money in charge of us. So then we can help with where it's going. So why is budgeting so important? So I know some of you in here, you work for big companies. Some of you work for schools. 
and some of you um, uh, work in other businesses where everything runs around a budget. I work on a council, and the council just always talks about the budget. I know in big companies, every meeting starts with the budget. Where are we up to with the budget? So if the big companies and the councils and the schools are focusing on budgets because they know it's important to keep on top, why do we not do this at home? But I understand it's because budgeting is really tough, especially for some of us that haven't been trained to do it. So today, I want to encourage us how we can get baby steps towards a good budget. I know that's a big concept for some of us, so we don't need to get there just yet, but we can start. We can start by me setting you a challenge. I've called it a challenge because challenges sound fun, and we all like a challenge. So here's a challenge, a 30-day challenge. With it being Christmas and the run-up to Christmas, the timing couldn't be any better because our finances kind of go everywhere. And the 30-day challenge is just to simply record how you spend your money. It's almost like the opposite of a budget. A budget is writing down how you want to spend your money. This is just make a list of how you spend your money. Just keep a simple list. Whether you like to do that on your phone, whether you want to get an Excel spreadsheet out, whether you've got a notepad, I believe there's something powerful about having to write down everything that you spend, or whether you've got like a Monzo app on your phone, just simply for 30 days... Write down where you spend your money. And at the end of the 30 days, we'll be able to see a lot about your finances. We'll be able to see whether the money coming in, money coming out matches, whether you're in surplus, whether you're in deficit. We'll be able to see where your heart is. You know, whether your heart, is it with your children? Is it with your church? Is it with your car? Is it with your tummy because you buy a lot of takeaways? We'll be able to see where is your heart based on those 30 days. And I believe that this will help baby step towards a budget without scaring anyone. But actually, two other things will happen when you do this. Number one, you will be shocked. And I know you will be because the amount of people I've gone through financial counseling with, it just literally shocks them. Not necessarily good or bad, just wow, I didn't even know how much can one person spend online in a month. Now I understand why Jeff Bezos' yacht is so big. <laughs> I'm the one paying for it. You know, how can one person eat so much? How can two people need so much on utilities? It's crazy when you actually see it written down. And the second thing that will happen, so the first thing is you'll be shocked. The second thing is it will actually change your spending habits that month. Because you'll be thinking, do I really want to own up to this, to my spouse, this extra Mars bar that I bought from the petrol station? Do I actually want to have to write this down and see it at the end of the month? And we know this, as some of you may have gone through um, you know, weight management programs like Weight Watchers or Slimming World, and the first thing they always make you do is write it down. Before they even set you a challenge, before they even give you the points that you're allowed to spend each day, they say, just record what it is you're eating now, because it changes what you eat straight away. So just by being accountable to yourself, you will change the way you spend your money. And then once we've done this, then we can start baby stepping towards, wow, so this is where I am currently. Where would I really like to be? So this is where my heart is now, but where would I like my heart to be? This is the situation I'm in now. Where do I want to be? And that's when we can start with our budget. Because our finances are way too important for them to be on top of us and not us be on top of them. So I know all of you are sat there now thinking, this is all very well and good, Johnny, but what has this got to do with the Bible? 
Well, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. You know, I think we have a unique opportunity to live a beautiful alternative to this world, especially with our money. Do you want to? Are you ready to? So when we're at work or at the council, at school, and we're looking at these big budgets that I mentioned, if you're ever one of these people that deals with the budgets or look at them, are you ever ashamed about the finances? Are you ever embarrassed? Are you ever excited? I can say I'm not when we go through the council finances. The opposite, I'm usually quite bored. But why is that? Well, because it wasn't my money in the first place. So I'm not emotionally attached to it. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's it's just a thing thing, isn't it? There's just, the budget's just a thing. I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed by it. I'm not underwhelmed by it. It's just a thing. Well, I want to encourage you that your money isn't your money either. We know whose money that we're called to steward. And one day, we will have to answer to how we spent his money. Did our heart align with his heart? Were we asking Jesus into all areas of our life, including our marriage, our children, and our wallets, and our purses? Jesus, you come and be the Lord of my wallet this morning. So as the owner of the budget is God, we are simply the manager of the budget. So I want to read a parable this morning. Uh, It's called A Parable of the Bags of Gold. It's found just a little bit later in Matthew 25. Again, very famous. You would have heard of this. I love the fact it's just called the parable of the bags of gold in my NIV Bible. It starts like this. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, I won't carry on the rest of the parable because I'm sure you know it. The ones with the five bags and the two bags basically did a good job, pretty much doubled their money. When the master came back, they were told, well done, good and faithful servant. And one of the chaps who had one bag of gold didn't know what he wanted to do with it. He buried it, gave it back, and was told, you wicked servant. So all of us have money, different amounts, one, two, and five. But that's not what makes God happy or sad. It's what we do with our money shows where our heart is is. But did you notice in the story, it was the master's money, not the servant's. He didn't say, well done, you did good with your money. It's you did good with what I entrusted to you. And that's the same for all of us. How much of our wealth is owned by us? None. And how much is owned by our master? All. So we need to be really careful whether we've got one bag of gold or whether we've got five bags of gold. And here's a couple of footnotes for you. If you've got five bags of gold, if you are that family, if you are that person, please never feel guilty or ashamed. It was God's. He's entrusted it to you. But please be challenged that one day he'll ask what you did with it. And if you feel right now that you're the servant with only one, Please know there's another scripture that we can read in Luke 6 that says that this won't always be the case. Those that are trusted with a little will one day be trusted with a lot. So God is looking at your heart, not how much we have. So the point of the parable is not how many bags of gold we have, 
But what are we going to do with everything that God has entrusted into our care? The same way we have to steward our relationships. The same way we have to steward the raising of our children. The same way we have to steward our wallets. I put it to you. How can we show God that we were stewarding our money well if we don't even know where it's gone? Especially if we haven't told it where to go. So I know this morning, as I'm coming in to close, that if you are married, (laughs) that one of you has loved this morning's message and you've been hoping and praying that your spouse has been listening. (laughs) And I know that one of you will be thinking, why did he have to bring this up just on the run into Christmas, right? Because opposites attract. We have a spender, we have a saver. We have someone who's free with their money and someone that really probably already has a budget going, even if they're missing those steps. But I want to encourage you, especially if you're married, you need to be in this together. Because if one of you is pulling in one way and one's another way, it can hurt. I want to encourage you as well, just do a 30-day challenge. Maybe we're not ready for a budget yet. Maybe that's a bit too much. But just for 30 days, say, okay, I can write down what I'm already spending, and then I can pray. And as Pastor Chris always tells me, say, okay, Jesus, what are you saying? Where am I spending my money? Am I being good and faithful servant, or could I be doing better? Because I wholeheartedly believe that your life is too significant and that your time is too precious, that your calling is too great and your God is too good for you to be wasting what the Master has given you. So please remember, we can't serve God and money. We can't. And I want you to get on top of your money so your money does not get on top of you. And if any of you are struggling with money, ask. People can't wait to help. Pastor Dan and Holly, other lay leaders that you've got in your church, myself, just come up and ask. There's no guilt, there's no shame, because it wasn't your money anyway. We're all on this journey together. We all want to be good and faithful servants. And it means that your friends and the people that you come to church with want to see you succeed as well. So let me just close in prayer now. And I'm going to close in prayer for all of us that we would all be good and faithful servants when we stand before the master that one day. That we can all give a good account of what we've said and what we've done and of how we've stewarded the material possessions he's given us. So let's pray. Yeah, Father God, I thank you so much that you see something special in each of us. So you give each of us different gifts and talents and graces. And I pray as we remember the fingerprints and the DNA that we are both unique, so our money situations will be unique, but we are also part of our family, so the principles of how we manage it are the same for all of us. I pray this morning for anyone that's struggling with debt, that your Holy Spirit will make a way where it doesn't feel there's a way right now. For when that budget doesn't seem to be adding up. For when we feel like, okay, Pastor Johnny, I wish I was on the same page as you, but right now my finances are a mess and I can't do deal with them the way that you're talking about. I want to encourage you that God sees you. He wants you to see freedom in all areas of your life especially your finances, an area that doesn't matter nearly as much as the rest. 
And I pray if that's you, that right now, that you'd be surrendering your finances to God and say, okay, God, I tried it my way and it didn't really work. Please have your way in my wallet today. So Father God, I pray for anyone that is struggling with debt, that you would come upon them now, that you would be moving a financial mountain. I've seen you move them in my life. I've seen you move them in multiple other people's lives. So I pray right now that you would move that financial mountain in anyone's life right now that's struggling. That they would see a miracle. That they'll be able to come to church and testify that you made a way where there shouldn't have been a way. It could only be from God. A financial provision that was out of this world. A promotion at work, a new job, a reduction in a bill, whatever it is, God. We pray for you to break in in that way. And for those people that are on top of their budgets, where the money in, money out equals positive, God, I pray that we will be good stewards. That we will not be fooled by the patterns of this world to think that it's our hard work or our cleverness that has got us in this position. But we will remember that all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above they're all from you and because of you that we would be great stewards that we will multiply the investment that you've put in our hearts and in our bank accounts and that we will use it to see your kingdom come and your will be done at light church as it is in heaven and I pray as a family of believers that we'll be able to come around each other those that are struggling and those that are doing well just like in the book of Acts that we love one another for where we're at and we're cheering each other on to the next steps in our journey of faith. Because yours is the kingdom and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen.